Hey everybody, it's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss, The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. It is Thursday, October 5th, 2023. This is another playoff edition of Baseball Today, presented to you by our friends over at SeatGeek. That is my man, Trevor Pluth. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well. And yeah, we are smack dab in the middle of this playoff chase. And to celebrate that, SeatGeek, the official ticket marketing place of Major League Baseball, is giving all of you 10% off your next purchase you got to use the code John Boy Postseason, all caps, all one word. That is John Boy Postseason. You might sit here and say to yourself, well, if I've already used one of your codes on SeatGeek, so that's not going to help me. That's where you're wrong. Whether you are a rookie in the SeatGeek world or if you are a returning customer, you're going to get 10% off your next purchase. You don't have to use them for the baseball playoffs. But if you want to, you can. You can use them for NFL games, concerts, the upcoming NBA season, college football, and oh, so much more. And with that, I start off with the tip of the cap to none other than my good friend Trevor Plouffe, who went four for four in his wild card round predictions. Yay! Congrats. Thank you very much. You know, I like to think that a season's worth of prep sets you up to make you know educated picks but the reality is that sometimes you just got to get a little lucky chris and i'm okay admitting that dude yeah i don't i didn't necessarily believe a ton in the diamondbacks but there was something i could feel uh sometimes and we're going to talk about this on today's show sometimes feel mm. means something okay mm -hmm. uh and once again this show is presented by seat geek and that also means that you have Less than a day to get in your SeatGeek question of the week here on Baseball Today. Go find it. It'll be on our social media post. Send in the best, most creative question. If we use yours on Friday's show, you get $1,000 credit to use on SeatGeek. That is no Yeesh. joke. And if you're one of our AMP listeners, we've been giving out phrases of the week. We're going to give another one on today. You'll have to repeat all three to get a shot at getting some John Boy Media gear on Friday's show. So a lot of giveaways coming up. So make sure to tune into that. All right, I am wearing my snakes hat because Jake Storiali is so happy today. The six-seeded Diamondbacks have advanced to the NLDS. Quick two-game sweep in Milwaukee. Let's remember that at the beginning of August, Arizona lost nine in a row. How did it go from that team to one that's about to square off against the L.A. Dodgers? They actually were bad in July as well. Um I believe that a 333 winning percentage in July, a horrible August. It wasn't good for them. And then, and then they won nine of 13 series, mainly because their bullpen settled down. You know, they're bringing in Seawald, and I think he had a rough go the first couple bit. of games and then kind of figured it out. But overall, I mean, the numbers here are pretty, they speak for themselves. Uh, and in September, 99. In a third innings pitch, 179 ERA, 180 average against, 251 slug. Remember, this team doesn't have a plethora of starting pitching. So when you have to go through a month or go through a season like that, like you have to have the bullpen has to step up. They have to put zeros on the board. They have to protect late leads. And they were able to do that. And that's 
honestly, you put together, you know, some of the guys you have offensively, the the Martes, the Carrolls, and the Walkers, and let them kind of go do their thing, and then you turn it over to the bullpen. I mean, that's the recipe right there. You have a couple starters that can give you length, and then the bullpen has to take care of the rest, and they were able to do that in September to turn things around. Yeah, the bullpen in this series was outstanding. Um, they used relievers 10 times in two days and didn't allow a single run. Uh, Ginkle, who was great in game one, looked a little gassed in game two and wasn't his usual self. This kid, Sal Frank, who they brought up as a rookie from you know Indiana University in September, curveball, really good job getting out of a jam last night. Seawold, even though he brought the tying run to the dish in the ninth, dependable enough that's been it i did a little poking around and i asked somebody in this organization how basically the same question how did you guys go from a team that lost nine in a row to now the second round of the playoffs i said is it what role did tory lavello play he said well you know he's got that real peaceful demeanor and seems like a really good dude which he is and the guys like him which they do said one day he went into the clubhouse and read him the riot act. And this isn't a quote word for word, but it this is basically what he said. He challenged the guys. He said, are you sick of being the JV team in the National League West? Damn. I, mean, that's, yeah. I like that. And he said that the players took to it, and it worked. I mean, he challenged his guy. He called them the a JV team in the National League West, dude. I mean, that's what – I mean, that – that's what they've been. Right. And if you're considering the varsity, the Dodgers, pretty much everybody else has been the JV team in the NL West. I mean, I guess the Giants had their one season where they made it to varsity and the Padres had a playoff series where they made it to varsity. But really, it's been the Dodgers right. and the rest of the gang. So, I mean, I love that message. How does that not fire you up? Yep. That was pretty good. Um, And also, Zach Allen walking out after the first inning and say, fuck it. I'm throwing 100 pitches. I'm going seven innings. He went six. He dodged. We even dodged his way through traffic. And it was nice to see a manager and an organization back at starting pitcher, oh, which we will get to in a little bit. What? In the meantime, we say goodbye to the Milwaukee Brewers, who were eliminated yet again in the fourth round for the fourth straight trip to the postseason. Does it feel like Milwaukee is at a crossroads organizationally? Honestly, not really. I feel like they like kind of where they're at. I understand the playoff success has not come. 18, they make the run. The rest of the, the last four years, that's first-round exits, I believe. Um, but we've kind of – man, I don't want to put them in the same boat as Jerry DePoto, but I feel like that's kind of how they feel, 54%. I feel like the Brewers think the exact same thing. <laughs> like, let's make it into the dance and see what happens. The problem is – like. It's been their offense, Chris, and they have some yep. players that can get it done. They were 17th in runs scored this year. That's not good enough. It nope. isn't good enough. And what we said about the Brewers is they got to find someone to come up with a big hit. They didn't come up with a big hit. How many runners did they have on base during the series? I mean, they were all over the base pass. And you could talk about base running gaps, whatever. That doesn't fucking matter. You know how you avoid base running gaps? Hit the ball over the fence. Hit the ball in the <laughs> gaps. I'm serious, though. Extra base hits. That's yeah. how you avoid base running gaps. You don't have to go base to base, steal a base, and then get a base hit. We need, and I know they brought some people in. I know it. And they did great. Cannon was great. Carlos Santana was great. But hey, 
we need some dogs in that offense. We got to get them. And that's the difference that, you know, we're going to see in, in the, the further rounds coming up. And even with the Diamondbacks they just faced, like Corbin Carroll's a dog. And who, who, who started the scoring in both games? Corbin Carroll. Like, you got to go out and get you someone that you can rely on offensively. And I don't think they have that right now. I don't. But I also don't think they're at a, a crossroads because this is how they want to approach the baseball year. It's run prevention. And I think they need to continue with that. But let's add the other side of it as well. Like, we, let's go out and get a bat. I don't know who it's going to be. But I think you really, really need someone who is tried and true and tested uh, because you get stuff like this if you don't. Well, I think you make a really good point. They did make a couple of additions at the trade deadline. But when you trade for guys like Mark Canna and Carlos Santana, you don't expect them to hit third and fourth at this point in the career. No. Those guys should be hitting sixth and seventh in a really good playoff lineup. And then we're talking about something. I want you to listen to Craig Council after last night's game. And they talked to him a lot about the disappointment of the Brewers failing to move on. Listen to the way he phrases things. This was a great team. And I, and I think I told the guys, I said, you know, as you move forward in your careers, you should, you should want to create teams like this. You, sh- you should use your leadership to create an atmosphere like this. That sounded very much like a goodbye for some of the players and possibly for Craig. Know that he's a free agent. We know that his old boss, David Stern, just took a gig in New York with the Mets. I don't know how this is going to play out. Christian Yelich, who has been with Craig Council as long as anybody in that clubhouse, basically said, listen, he deserves the time to figure out, right? He's a local guy. He grew up there. He grew up a Brewers fan. He played six seasons for the Brewers. He's got four kids, two that are baseball players in the Big Ten, two daughters that are really good athletes in the same high school that he went to. So he deserves to have this time. But it sure as hell sounds like maybe he is emotionally starting to move on. And more important, or just as important, there's a lot of players, I think, that are going to move on. Kansas has got a team option that's fairly rich. Santana's a free agent. Donaldson, who was brought in, is a free agent. The guys who were in their last year arbitration include Burns, we know what happened at the beginning of the year with the shit that they fought over in arbitration. He seems like a trade candidate to me. Woodruff, we don't know what's going on with his shoulder. Adamas, Rowdy Telez, Hauser. That's a lot of big, key, important parts of this team that could be on the move at trade time in the offseason. Like, I think this team doesn't know exactly where they're going right now. I think they're going to continue to do the exact same thing that they've done over the last five, six years. I mean, it might be new players, but I think the organizational philosophy, that's kind of how I took the question, Chris, was, you know, do they have to make sweeping changes in philosophy? I think a lot of fans might say yes, but I don't think that they are going to make any changes philosophy. Okay. Philosophically. I just What did I just say? It's early, people. Leave me alone. I hear you. I hear you. Let's move over to the American League. Congratulations to your Minnesota Twins who have won a postseason series for the first time in more more than two decades. I I think it's great. It's awesome. Let's look at it from the other side of the coin. More frustrating for Toronto Blue Jays fans. Watching Berrios come out after making just 47 pitches or Vladdy getting picked off in the fifth inning down 2-0 with two on, two out, and Bo Bichetta. 
This is a question where I can say both. This is a freaking question where I can say both. <laughs> My goodness, what are we doing here? Where is the field? Now, let's start with that play right there, the pickoff yep. play. I thought it was awesome. Awesome. I mean, how many times have the Twins run a pickoff at second base this year? Four? Maybe? Maybe four times. You don't practice stuff like this. You do it in spring training, and that is it. That I, You don't practice stuff like this. Now, you might talk about it. Now, what I think happened was, and I've kind of asked around a little bit because A-Rod was saying, Sonny Gray took his hat off, and that initiated the whole thing. I heard that Carlos Correa said it was so loud in there that Vladdy couldn't hear the third base coach's prompts. So when you're creeping up, usually the third base coach is saying, like, hey, behind you, behind you, like, one step back. If you can't hear that and you're just focused, Vladdy's trying to get a good secondary so he can score on a base hit right there, which, to be honest with you, a lot of it falls on Vladdy. Um but if you can't hear the third base coach that allows Carlos Gray to sneak in, then it's an easy uh, flash the glove or a timing. It doesn't really matter at that point. So well, uh, yeah, Sonny Gray actually came out and said that he said that he said after the first inning, Correa came up to him and said, "Hey, listen, it's so loud out there; they can't hear. They can't hear. They had Gray had traffic in the first. He said, if you if that play will be available, and so he made that point. I think we're both going to agree about the Barrio. So let's get to that right now." Um, I think, I don't know if we are going to agree. You want to go first? I, you know what I want to do? I want to hear from the manager to kind of set up the discussion. Okay. Okay. So here's, here's John Schneider on the decision to pull Jose Barrios. Yeah, we had a few different plans in place. Um, Jose was aware of it. Uh, he had electric stuff, you know, um, tough to take him out. You can sit here and, you know, Second guess me, second guess the organization, second guess anybody. Um, I get that, you know, I get that. Okay, now what? Okay, so the decision was rooted in logic. And I'm okay with you having plans, right? We know the Twins really favor a left-hand lineup. So they, when they're facing a right-hander, a lot of their good hitters are lefty and they stack them. And I, you also know that Rocco's not afraid to pinch hit early in games and and completely, you know, basically have a whole new lineup in there. And that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to take out Walner. They were trying to take out Kirilov, maybe even Julian, maybe even Kepler, depending on what the lane was. And they're saying if Kikuchi comes in, now we're going to, instead of those guys, we're going to face Solano. We're going to face Farmer. Willie Castro's going to come in. Like, that was their plan. And if Barrios was, you know, like had an average start and was kind of like, you know, he looks okay. Like, I, I I don't think that's a problem whatsoever. But then the feel aspect comes into it and the eye test and all that stuff. Barrios looked nasty. And it looked like he was getting better. And at that point, I think you say, fuck this plan. Let this guy do it. We, how much did they pay for Barrios to be a guy for them? Nine figures, dude. You don't pay a guy like that and then say, you know what? Hmm, playoff game, you look fucking filthy, but sorry, we premeditated this plan and we're just going to institute it no matter what. That's not how you manage the game. That's not being a manager. That's not being a manager. Being a manager is being out there making decisions on the fly. And now I don't know if his hands were tied and, and they're like, this is going to happen. Maybe. But so let me ask you mind, this. You gotta, if you're the manager, that's it falls on you and you got to make that decision in real time. And I think you made the wrong decision. So even let me though, ask you wait, hold on, even though, even though, and this is going to piss Schneider off, Kikuchi did his job, bro. Jam shot by Carlos Correa found the outfield, then a double play ball and then a ground ball. 
And then they didn't score after that, I don't think, right? No. Uh-uh. So, like, it worked, but it didn't work, if you know what I mean. So let me ask you this. You said that Schneider has to have the ability to just say, fuck it. I'm, I think I'm going so. rogue. I'm going rogue, and I'm going on my own. What if Schneider said, you know what? This guy's pitching his ass off. It's the best game he's pitched all year. I believe in him. I'm taking the tr- the, the pregame plan and throwing it in the trash. Let's say he gives up one run that inning and they lose one to nothing. Does John Schneider have a job today? I don't know. I don't know the relationship. They wouldn't be happy. The only the only the only experience I have with something like that is Bomel in Oakland talking to me about the lineup and stuff. Hey man, like I know you're on a heater. They sent this lineup down. They think it's the best. If I put you in there, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a phone call immediately. Really? Yeah. Okay. And, and shoot, I'm, he might have been lying to me, but that's what he told me. And that's the only experience I had with stuff like that. And I know it's more commonplace nowadays, now that my old ass is out of the game. But Well, I want to share this with you. I was texting with a major league manager while this was happening. And I said, what's going on here? He said, listen, this is getting overblown. Now, I don't know. He might not be telling me the truth. He said he has never been forced to take a pitcher out of a game with a pregame decision. He said that. He said, my front office had never told me. He said, does it happen? Yes, it happens. He goes, but because it happens in such big moments, whether it's Kevin Cash with Blake Snell or now John Schneider with Jose Barrios, he goes, we think that it happens all the time. He said, my interpretation is that it doesn't happen as much. I said, but I got to tell you, dude, it sure as hell feels like it does. Because we as baseball fans, it feels like we're being cheated out of some outstanding performances. And he said, I understand how you're feeling. He goes, it just feels like it happens way more than it actually does. Yeah, I mean, I I, I would side on that because what I say about managers is they have to manage the clubhouse, manage the media, and then they have to make pitching decisions. So like they're not they're not on a cell phone or on the phone with the front office during a game saying this is what you have to make. Now they have books and books uh, you know uh for instance in philadelphia when i was there it was like green and red and like if you were in the green in this situation that meant you should be used if you were in the red in this situation you weren't going to be used and it was all predictive stats and numbers and i thought it was a, a joke but it was like a guideline for them essentially you know, we might might be three or four guys in green three or four guys in red that was pinch hitters same thing with bullpen so i don't think anyone called and said you're making this move but it was surely discussed and, you know, whether they really felt like this was the right move and were really adamant about Snyder doing it, I don't know. Uh, but but they had team-wide, not team-wide, like um, leadership discussions about doing this. And this has probably happened, you know, pre-series and stuff. So ultimately, yeah, I think it was John Schneider's decision. But even if they didn't force him with a phone call, I think – in the back of his mind, he's like, man, we discussed this a lot. And here's this exact lane that we talked about coming up. Like it, it, in, in, it definitely influenced his decision. Okay. Two quick things. Cause we have to move on. Whit Merrifield was asked about the move afterward. He said, I hated it. Frankly, it's not what costs us the game, but it's the kind of baseball decisions that are taking away from managers in baseball at this stage of the game. I thought that was really interesting from a guy who's been around a little bit. Number one. Number two, this whole decision is kind of glossing over a bigger issue with the Blue Jays. And that is they are an uber talented team. In fact, we asked 
before the playoffs started if they were the most talented wild card team that was going to be playing over the next two days. They are in the discussion because of the immense amount of talent they've got, and now they have nothing to show for it over the last few years. I wonder if there's not a major shakeup coming. I wonder if there's a little bit of a bad mix in there. I I don't know. It certainly doesn't sound like it from all the wording that's been going on, but maybe they do need to kind of shake the tree a little bit and say, guys, let's wake up. Like, let's go here. Maybe they make a major move. I don't know. 14th in runs scored this year, 16th in homers. That's not going to get it. With that lineup, that's very much underperforming. Yep. Yep. All right, let's move uh, back to the National League where the Phillies, they make quick work of Miami. Forget about the cheesesteaks, people. Philly is into ordering grand salamis. And that'll bring up Bryson Stott. Right, the bases loaded. One out. Infielders in at the corners. And Stott drives one to right. That's deep. That is gone. A grand slam for Stott. The brink just broke thanks to Bryson Stott's base-clearing granny. We're going to have much more on this on Friday's show. But because we're all so excited about the divisional round rematch between the Phillies and the Braves, dude, it's going to be great, isn't it? It is going to be great. This home, this Grand Slam, excuse me, was in. I have chills right now watching that video. There's a version of it I posted on my IG. I think John Boy Media put it out mm-hmm. on the socials as well. The, no the commentator lists, and you're just hearing the crowd, and you're hearing a little bit of the mic'd up stuff from the players. Sheesh. It, may, it made me say, I'm going to a playoff game. I got to, I got to, I got to fly to Minnesota, bro. I do. I got to feel that energy. Like I was sitting there, I watched that video probably like 10 times in a row and just felt the energy uh, needed in my life. Um, but back to your question. <laughs> it's really not a question. It's more of yeah. just how excited you are. For, that's the one where we're all circling of the four series. That's the one. I'm a little upset that it's actually happening in the division round. Um, seems to me like it should be Phillies, Dodgers, Diamondbacks, Braves. It makes more sense, but whatever. We're getting this again. I think, you know, we know Philly won last year, but there's a few guys missing. Like Strider was not at full force uh, coming into that game. I believe he had like a lengthy absence, and that was his first time back, right? He pitched three innings or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's going to be – it's going to be a completely different series. I mean, what the Braves have done this year, uh, you know, and hopefully this little layoff hasn't slowed them down at all, um, has been incredible. I think these are it's, – it's hard to say this with the Dodgers looming there, but I just see these two teams, like, as the best two teams in the end. Yeah, I you want to say it. You want to say do. it. This I don't is know. the and NLCS. I don't even know why I'm saying that because the Dodgers are – ridiculous too and like the, you know but I, I just like when I watch these two teams I'm like one of these two teams Braves or Phillies is going to be in the World Series okay that's how that's, I feel by the way I don't think it's fair to just touch on it why I don't understand why baseball doesn't reseed after this opening round it this I don't should know be Philadelphia at LA and Arizona at Atlanta if somebody can explain to me why it makes sense I mean, planes I do not know. Is the Diamondbacks plane only allowed to turn right out of Milwaukee and it can only go that direction? It can't just it, head south? It could be a scheduling thing, like the hotel blocks and all that. Come on, bullshit. 
Stop no, it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what I'm trying Hotel to figure box. out something, you, or, or, or Rosie. I'm trying to figure it out. I don't know. Wait, wait, because the traveling secretary can't do its job. But we Now we're screwing with the baseball schedule. It's wrong. The NFL does it all the time. There's no reason to do it in the NBA because there's no buys. But in the NFL, a team gets a buy. They are going to play the worst remaining seed in the playoffs the next week. You don't find out until after the last game is done. On Monday, after the wild card round, who's going where? It's that simple. Baseball, you can do the same thing. Somebody, it's like we screw up the 18-inch putt in this sport so much. Stupid. Now, I will say this. I'm excited that we do get Phillies Braves, but it's not right. Weird. Uh, I do want to very quickly, before we kiss off Miami, give them a salute. I thought the fact that they held off other teams like the Cubs and the Reds and the Giants who stumbled massively down the stretch to get that playoff spot, particularly with the way it all went down with the bad weather in New York, with not having Sandy the last month, with not having Yuri Perez, with having a hobbled around Luis Arise. I thought Skip Schumacher did a wonderful job. Shout out to him in the dugout. Shout out to Kim Ang and their entire front office. It feels like they're building a little something here. They need a lot more offensively. But it was a fun run. It was a fun run. And I think that the Brewers and the Marlins should get together in a room and decide what, how they're going to get offense into their organizations. Because for the Marlins, you're losing, I believe Josh Bell and Jorge Soler both have player options. So they're probably going to hit the open market, I, I you know, assume. Um, and that's a big part of their power offense. So they're going to have to figure out how to replace them. I'm I'm happy for Kim Ang. I am. I think that's awesome. And, totally. and, and yeah, and you mentioned Skip Schumacher too. I mean, I think they make a good like couple, if that makes sense. Like they, they pair well together. Like Kim Ang seems very reserved and like, uh, you know, kind of quiet, you know, works behind the scenes and you got Skip, the kind of like, you know, the young fiery manager. Like I, I think the, the, it works well together. I, I root for them. I really do. Got it. Okay, good. Uh, the last series we want to talk about, the Rangers. They advanced to Baltimore after disposing of the 99-win Rays. What impressed you most about Texas's two-game sweep? Starting pitching. You know, we talked about it. And when's the bullpen going to be exposed? They weren't exposed whatsoever. I think three total relievers were pitched or pitched in this series. So you have Montgomery doing his thing, which, you know, we talk about best trade deadline acquisitions. It's got to be – he's got to be up there. Uh, doing that in game one, Eovaldi doing his thing. I think that was huge. It's either that or Evan Carter just being a guy and making yeah. plays out in the field and 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 offensively uh, doing what he did and kind of like showing, you know, that he's not scared of any situation. The biggies at such a young age. But I think they needed, Chris, those starts. They really did. Now I'm a little bit worried about them as we go into a five and a seven game series because – you know, eventually they're going to have to get to some more guys in the pen. Um, but maybe, you know, winning this series and kind of feeling that, maybe that changes things around. I, I I say it all the time. Like it's, it's, it's with the bullpen, it really could change. Look at the, look at the, what the Diamondbacks did in September. Like they just flipped the script and all of a sudden, bam, here we are. Um, we're going to see if that's going to happen in the next round with the Rangers. Well, you mentioned it. The game one start by Montgomery did not surprise me because of the way he had pitched 
since the trade, actually all year, to be honest with you, and in particular, the last half of September, he was nearly unhittable. Evaldi, as we talked about on yesterday's show, did not shine at all since he came back from injury. In fact, he was getting his balls kicked in. So for him to work into the seventh and basically keep the Rays off the scoreboard, that was phenomenal. He was still throwing 97 in the sixth inning. So that's something he'll be able to take into his game free start. Now, I'll be curious to see whether or not he's pitching to keep Texas's season on the line because the Rays' playoff offense is like on the side of a milk carton. I don't know what the hell has happened to them in the last two years. It has been brutal. Uh, we'll talk about them in a second. But I expect Baltimore, even with all of the inexperience in their everyday lineup, the way that team can mash, that dude in the outfield is going to be spraying down a lot of those fans, I think. But we'll see how that goes. They get the early game on Saturday, and we will break down that series coming up on Friday's show. Uh, I do want to get to Tampa. Does it need to reevaluate how it does things, or are you cool with them continuing on with the mantra, the Rays are going to Ray? The Rays are going to Ray means so many different things. So, uh, you know, I don't think that's fair just to put that, you know, you got to kind of say that and then explain what you mean. Um, I think organizationally, I'm fine with what they do. I mean, this is kind of their thing. Uh, the only thing that's going to change my mind and has changed my mind is uh, when you get the new stadium, we need to be spending some money. We need to be going out there and supplementing that beautiful roster that you do have with some talent that you have to, that you bring in from other organizations that you have to pay a little bit for. I think that's going, honestly, it's going to make a big difference for them and their fan base and everything new stadium, new, like some big name players. Like it's going to be great for them. So please, please do that. But I think organizationally they're, they're still at a really good spot with player development and player acquisition and, and all of that. I think they need to take the next step when they get this new stadium or even, you know, a year prior to it as they lead up into the new profits they're going to get. Uh, I, but I don't have a problem with how they're going to do it. This series is tough for them. You're missing Bilal. You're missing Luke Rayleigh. Wander Franco. You know, like a lot of guys that would be in the middle of their lineup, top to middle of their lineup, weren't there. And I think they would have made a big difference. Uh, but as far as organization-wide, like philosophy and stuff, I think that they, I'm okay with them continuing to do what they do. Uh, starting with the Blake Snell fiasco, they have dropped eight of their last nine playoff games. Yes. It's great to win 95 games a year, man. That is awesome. Are you okay being labeled as, we're the team that saves a lot of money, but we can compete with everybody else until it becomes the most meaningful time of the year, and then we crawl into a shell, and then we slither home? I don't know, man. By the way, I think I think my buddy Glass now just pitched his last game in a raised uniform. His salary goes from five to twenty-five million next year. I don't think they're going to have any interest in paying that. I think that there are some teams that would look at him and say, "We'll take you gladly." If if he doesn't come back and they pass on, you know, an ace caliber pitcher, now he's got to put the innings together to really be a true ace. Right. Um, if they pass on him at twenty million dollars, twenty-five million dollars, I will change my answer and say, you need to figure things out. you got to eventually up the payroll, guys. you got to. I mean, look at – it's just the way it's going. Like a, an ace right now, 
and you can develop them, sure. But like the going rate for an ace in free agency is, you know, $35 million, $40 million. You got to start keeping up, man. If you're going to pass up a one for 25, you're getting that sort of, you know, quote unquote discount and you're going to pass up on it. Then I I start to have problems with how you run things. And people could say that he hasn't given them enough innings. I'll listen to that. I get it. I, I understand that. Right. His season got started quite a bit late because of the oblique injury this year. But then he pitched phenomenally well. He was a pitcher of the month, I think, I want to say in July or something like that. But yeah, it's – I don't know. They're the cute little rays, and that's what you'll always be until you take the next uh, big step. I don't, I don't have them as the cute little rays. I don't. Really? I don't. Yeah. Really? You're not a cute little team when you win 99 games. For the bottom five Now, you can say they, you know – I mean, they haven't done it in the playoffs. You know, they made the World Series in 2020, and then after that, you just mentioned what it is. Uh, I don't consider them like a cute little team. I don't. I think they are. Some badass MFers on that team. Um, I'll give you this. They're grinders. They're dudes that have been passed over by other organizations and have found the light in Tampa. So for that, I give them immense credit. Think about it, though. I mean, we're <clears> – I know we're going long on the race here. I'm fine with that, though. That you you need, I keep going back to Carlos Correa because I've seen it firsthand this year. Like you need a guy like that in your clubhouse uh-huh. that just like sets the fucking tone day in and day out. And it can't be your manager. It needs to be a player. And I don't know if they have that on the Rays right now. Do they? Don't know. Is it Randy Rosarena? Is it Yandy Diaz? I'm not really sure, but I know that it's very important to have someone like that in a clubhouse. Fair. Um, cooler story before we get out of here. Jamie Moyer throwing out the first pitch in Philly with the fanatic overalls on. What an amazing look. Or that Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins took his entire family to the Twins playoff game on a whim the other day. Uh, you know I'm going with Kirk, but I, I have, like, what's going on with the overalls? Because Bryce is wearing them, Jamie yeah. Moyer's wearing them. Yeah, Something's the, going on, right? Yeah, that like was pack something. of lunch, we're going to work type thing, or what? Yeah, it's just kind of an organizational thing that I think they did in the middle of September, and now Moyer was out there. But Bryce wore him to the game. Like, he also, yeah. like, okay. Uh, I'm going with Kirk Cousins because he's just like, I don't want to call him a goof, but he kind of is a goof, like in the best way possible. You know, he takes Tuesdays off, which I learned from watching the Netflix series. Tuesdays are completely off for him. He spends it with his family and they were kind of looking at what to do. And he's like, you know what? I, I, he didn't realize that there was playoffs that quickly after the regular season because football players only think about playing one day a week. So he's like, oh, like there's a game today and it's a day game and we can do it. And they just bought tickets that went down there. And he said like, eventually the buzz started to get around the stadium and he kind of had to go. Uh, but how cool is that, man? Like how right. rare is it for, to see people like, I don't even want to sit in the stands, bro. And I'm like, nobody. Kirk cousins is the quarterback of your NFL team, which is probably, you know, in most cities, that's the most famous athlete. Uh, and he's just sitting among everybody. Not most awesome. famous athlete, most yeah. famous person. Really? Gotta, so I, I thought that was else. awesome. And, and his right. wife is hilarious. She dresses him, which is like, yeah, best. it's awesome. Yeah. She did fine. T-shirt and shorts. That way. That way, Kirko. I think he actually got a lot of fans from the series quarterback. I think he's, a lot of people. I think that he's great. Yeah. He works think, his ass off. Yep. Um. All right. So that'll do it. 
We will break down the divisional round coming up on tomorrow's show. Don't forget to get your SeatGeek question of the weekend so you can earn $1,000 credit to SeatGeek. Check out uh, Chris Rose Sports social media accounts on where to put that question. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, and the uber-talented Trevor Pluke, I am Chris Rose. We will see you Friday on Baseball Today. Hey, everybody. It's Talking Jake here, and I want to tell you about a new podcast and video series you're not going to want to miss. The Deal. Every week, A-Rod and Bloomberg reporter Jason Kelly speak with big-time athletes, entertainers, executives, Maria Sharapova, Strahan, Jeter, and more. The Deal takes you behind the scenes into those worlds of sports, media, and entertainment. From Bloomberg Podcasts and Bloomberg Originals, you can listen to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts.